I'm Stephen Downey and you're very welcome to episode 8 of the Mindful Living Guide. In this week's episode I get to talk to Jack Kavanagh, someone who I really really admire, an inspirational speaker and performance and well-being coach. Jack has had a unbelievable journey through life and uh, we talk about his early life and um, a life-changing event that happened uh, to change his whole perspective and the way his way of living. Uh, it's a great conversation and uh, some great funny moments throughout. Um, Jack is also a practitioner of mindfulness and uh, he has some amazing tips at the end uh, to stay tuned for. It's a longer episode than normal. I was just enjoying the conversation so much that uh, it just flowed and flowed. Uh, so I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, I have to apologise at times the sound isn't as great as uh, some of the other podcasts. Uh, so apologies for that. But sit back and enjoy the Mindful Living Guide. You're so welcome to this week's episode of the Mindful Living Guide. This week I want to talk about acceptance and about the uncertainty of life and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by an amazing person this week, uh, Jack Kavanagh. Jack is a performance and well-being coach. He's also a TEDx speaker, the subject of an award-winning documentary and he's been known to hang out with people like you too on occasions. And as well as that, Jack is one of the genuine nicest guys you could ever meet. In a professional capacity, Jack strives to facilitate and empower people and teams that are engaged, resilient, willing to create space for curiosity, vulnerability and insight. Jack has an unbelievable gift at bringing out the authentic self in all of us. Jack Kavanagh, you are so welcome to the Mindful Living Guide. Wow, that was a, that was a, a lot. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. I am absolutely delighted to be here and thanks for sharing the space with me, Stephen. Jack, listen, I, I don't have many regrets in life, but one regret I do have in the last year is that we made a promise, I think it was last February or March to meet for a cup of coffee. We don't live too far from each other, so we were going to meet up in Avoca. And because of COVID and events that happened this year, it never happened. We never got to hang out and have that conversation. So I'm so excited to to be able to talk to you today. Um, in doing so, I wanted to um, I wanted to look back at a lot of things that you've done um, over the years and just talk about maybe the, the adversity that, that you've been through yourself, but also so many different things that have happened since then um, about your, your TEDx talk, your how life has changed for you, how you now that you're you're a coach and um, how, how life has, has looked different, but also how mindfulness has come into that because um, I know it's weaved right through your journey. And uh, so I don't know if, would you like to take take us back to your your early years? I know in in your TEDx you you talked a lot about that inner fearless child that uh, came out when you were younger when you were when you were learning to ride your bike for the very first time. Um, do you want to bring us back to to Jack Kavanagh growing up? Yeah, absolutely, and and you've clearly done the research. Um, so so kudos on on that, uh, Stephen. But um in the early days yeah and like everybody else i was born um so uh, we have that in common um, <laughs> but i i was i was one of these kids that was you know up and out at the beginning of the day i loved the outdoors um i never really understood why um 
why people spend so much time inside on on screens and playing computer games um uh, i just loved being in nature and i would be up and gone burning off energy doing any kind of sport i could get my hands on uh building bases in the fields um you know just just sort of exploring um in the world and i did every sport you could imagine from rugby to running gaelic soccer hurling tennis athletics um during the summers my mum um would bring us down to cork where she's from and we do water sports camps with our cousins and things like that and and so that was kind of a little bit about the nature of myself growing up but i was very much written off in the early years of primary school as a problem child and I think it's reasonable when that I got that label when you come to learn that on one of the first days I was in primary school, my mum got a phone call from the teacher who informed her that I'd jocked one of the girls in the class that day. And I, essentially what, what came out in, in the months and years after that is that I was really badly dyslexic. And I was just trying to find ways to distract from the fact that that I was struggling to engage with learning. And that was an amazing thing to happen because I started to get some of the help that I needed. And as I learned how to learn, my my perspective really shifted. Now there was times when I was bullied by teachers and called out for for being stupid. There was times when um, teachers really attached um, my poor outcomes to my level of intelligence uh, and and things like that. But as I got exposed to to other teachers, teachers that are willing to um, work with me and and show me how how I could learn. Um, my my life really shifted, and and I know both of us, um, are friends of Jerry Duffy, and and something that he says, um, really rung true for me as well. And I learned that that life rewards effort, and um, when he said that, I I realized that that's exactly what those younger years taught me. Um, I can remember going into uh, sort of remedial or extra extra um, support class and the psychologist or educational psychologist said well what are we going to work on this year Jack and my goal was to learn to spell the word phenomenal and every week for an academic year um, I, I came back to that F E N O. M I A and like you know this is kind of my starting point of how do you spell the word and I remember by the end of the year I started to get I went from the point of my dad reading the Harry Potter books to me being able to read them myself and that was kind of the mark of wow um this is a big deal because I went um, from a reading age of about two years behind my age to, to maybe uh, on par. And, uh, and that was a huge deal. Like it was a lot of work and it was a huge deal, but it really just taught me to have kind of tenacity and, 
and to keep showing up and doing the work. And I think there's a lot of valuable lessons in in just that, in in keeping I, showing up. I think and you doing you said something very important there, Jack, as well, is that you had to learn how to learn. Like you you learn in a different way to other people. It's uh, funny you're talking about reading. My wife actually is um, heavily involved in uh, what's called reading recovery now in primary schools, and it's about coming to where that child is and learning at their level not because they should be at this level it's this is where they are and this is where we should be going with them so it's, it's so important that we we all learn how we learn because we all we all have different traits and we all have different ways of learning yeah absolutely and and you know whilst by one or two teachers in particular for for getting five out of 20 in the weekly spelling test sort of a thing. Um, I was being acknowledged in other parts of my life, maybe not just in school, but outside of school for being really, I suppose it was the early signs that um, I was reasonably good at communicating. Um, when for example someone would lose something like a parent uh, or a friend of my parents and I would instinctively ask can I say hi to them on the phone or something and like there's multiple instances where where people were completely dumbfounded by what I would say and I have no idea what what I would have said um but just uh, by capacity to connect with people I suppose and you know if we go looking for it like every young person has has uh, these skill sets that are just incredible and if we can nurture those we start to instill a real sense of self-worth because you're you're leveraging an individual strengths and pointing them out rather than um just focusing on on the areas where maybe they're not up to par um with where others are at that time so there it's a little bit about my younger years and the story that you point to um from the ted talk is an interesting one and um it was in the early years of primary school one Friday we were told that we could bring our bikes into school the following week uh, on Monday and I told everyone in my class that I could cycle with no stabilizers which was it wasn't a stretch of the imagination it was an outright lie (laughs) And, um, and so over the weekend um my job became to learn to cycle my bike and and um if if social embarrassment was uh was the carrot on the end of the stick um i i certainly worked hard over that weekend and <laughs> banged up my knee my knees and my elbows and my face and and gradually one one stabilizer comes off and the other stabilizer comes off and and then you just have that magical moment where where your parent or guardian just uh let's go and the stabilizers aren't there anymore and and you're moving and balancing and all at once and it's that sense of freedom and uh i don't know it's been quoted somewhere that i cycled majestically in the yard that monday morning but uh who's here to just who's here to argue that Uh, we'll we'll accept that one (laughs) the um but like this fearlessness um and i i I, obviously I, i can't talk about uh, to you without just mentioning um, the fact that you had a life changing experience um, not long after, well, in your in your um, early twenties, and um, how that that fearlessness and um, 
this kind of came came into it. Could you bring us back and des- describe what what happened to you? Yeah. So it was as I was kind of emerging from the teenage years, and and contrary to my younger self, I'd I'd really learned how to apply myself, and um, I was moving through those teenage years where we all go through the questioning of of like how do I fit in and we're coming to terms with our body image and our sexuality and like the religion we were brought up in and we're questioning everything and through that process we start to get a sense of who we are and it was moving from those teenage years into college that I I kind of for the first time had a strong sense of who I was and I was interested in people and science and I found myself studying pharmacy in college and I just finished my first year there and I headed off down to the west of Ireland and down in the west of Ireland this was kind of like my sanctuary this is the place where I found my tribe I suppose you could say Um, and I would go down there to pursue my ultimate passion which at the time was water sports and windsurfing in particular and so I would work in an Irish college teaching kids how to windsurf how to surf and I would work as a lifeguard and just to set the scene I remember on one of the first days down that down there that summer and I talk about this image in in the TED talk is that I cycled off to the beach the local beach called Ellie Beach and I was totally by myself and it's one of those scenes that's just etched into my memory where as the sun sets over the breaking waves I look back down over the beach and the only footprints in the sand are my own and I just catch myself in the moment smiling and when I thought about why I was smiling so so giddily like um I realized that kind of for the first time that I was that I could remember that I was really comfortable with myself and that I was proud of the work that I'd put in and I was excited about where I was going and it, it just really struck me that like that's a moment to savor you know that that's a real moment to savor and that was at the beginning of that summer and at the end of the summer I went away with seven of my best friends for a holiday to Portugal prior to going back to college and on the first day as I'd done so many times that day and that week I ran down the beach I dived over the water over a wave into the water not realizing how shallow it was and my head collided with a sandbank and in that moment I broke my neck and the life that I knew was just a moment before that uh, was now kind of a, a memory um, I heard a little click my, my head impacted the sand I heard a little click there was heat in my neck and then it was almost like an electric shock going from my core to my extremities and my body just went limp and um, kind of face down in the water time slows down and you start to see for me anyway I, I saw the people that were most important to me I saw my parents and my mum and my mum and dad my, my two sisters the dog at home poppy I thought of my friends on the beach and I wondered would they get to me and and if they didn't how would they deal with that and you know all of these things are going through your mind and um I was face down and I couldn't turn over and and luckily Stephen put his hand in under my chest and sort of said like what are you playing at 
and uh luckily i was taken from the water before any more damage was done or before i drowned and you know the following day i wake up in intensive care and i can remember opening my eyes and gradually taking in the scene and uh looking up at the ceiling and counting the eight screws in the light fitting and then becoming aware of tubes going down my throat and my nose to keep me breathing and fed and my head in a cage a metal cage and kind of almost made me look like frankenstein um with two bolts kind of against my temples to stop my head from moving and and um and I just remember Gareth, he's one of my best friends, walking around the bottom of the bed a short while later. And he's got this smiling but tear-filled face. And I just, I couldn't speak, but I mouthed the words, it's going to be okay. And I think that was my first, I didn't really know what that meant at the time, but with my healthcare, a year of healthcare sciences under my my belt and training as a lifeguard, I had some awareness of what was in store for me and what had happened and um and that was my first kind of decision about you know it is going to be okay and at a certain level I have the capacity to choose what happens next um and I just didn't realize how many times I would have to make that choice one thing that really so that's a little bit of an insight one, one thing that really stood out for me um, when I saw your talk, and I've, I've seen you talk many times, I think this was many years ago, um, you were talking at um, a Pat Dively event, actually, I think it was the first time I ever met you. Um, but what I really was struck by was the fact that you focused on your response, um, not the battle. Uh, and in that, I mean that you, you obviously had a lot of physical battles to, to overcome, but you focused a lot on how you respond to it. Um, and to say that um, it's going to be okay in such a it's just an early time it's that it's it's like your whole mindset was set on on the way forward not on the way what will happen behind and I was really struck by that um, can you bring it back there to what, what you meant by when you focused on the your response yeah so you know, in many ways, I think I was kind of being programmed for, for, for that for from a very young age because, you know, like all of us, I'd, I'd faced so many challenges, been left out of sports teams, been, um, the, particularly the the challenges of of dyslexia, um, you know, all these like little and big things that we we face, and um, was always kind of a case of like, well well what now or or how are we gonna move forward and and so in that moment i i would call it kind of a moment of optimistic realism because what what i mean by that as kind of a, a, an operating uh, system for life is that like i didn't deny the reality of what had happened you know like and I think that's really important not to be for too long in denial about what happened. And, and I think when we face any traumatic thing that happens in our life or any setback or, you know, like shit hits the fan in all sorts of ways all the time in our lives. 
uh, personally, professionally, in our relationships, the be it in our finances, someone gets sick, whatever, whatever it is, um, stuff happens all the time. And, and every one of those is a little small blow, setback, adversity, challenge, whatever way you want to, uh, trauma, whatever way you want to describe it. And the reality is, is that for each one of those, there's a little period of grieving. Um, and depending on what what the challenge is, um, that grieving extends for, for different lengths of times and goes through cycles. And it's important to, to fully grieve those things. And I think in the early days of me saying it's going to be okay, that was like a, a default response. But over the time that went on after that, um, I would have to go through the grieving and, you know, the, the bargaining and disbelief and gradually you come to a kind of acceptance. And, and I know that's the theme here as well, but it, you come to some sort of acceptance and, and that's really where the optimistic realism comes in because when you recognize reality as it is, you don't sugarcoat it. You don't, don't imagine it was another way, but you actually see it for what it is that gives you choices um, and that gives you tangible choices in the day-to-day and you can take some of these bigger philosophies and say well practically this is what what happens next and and I would take reality and look at it optimistically and say well what can I make of this you know rather than this being the end rather than my life is over I would think, well, how can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? How can I um, take the lessons, for example, and and make them useful for other people, whatever it might be? Then it was always, how can I become more independent? How can I, um, and then that was a huge piece of it, like how can I reclaim uh, the elements of my life that, that I enjoyed as themes, for example, like adventure or or being in nature or learning and and it was always like how am i going to move you've gone forward? on you've gone on many many adventures since then did i did i see did you do a skydive as well since then yeah the funny thing is is when you turn up at a skydiving center nobody expects the the wheelchair user the guy with 15 percent muscle function um to turn up and to to jump through a, uh, out of a plane they're kind of saying have you not been through enough already <laughs> um <laughs> but um that's the reality is um for people out there i i have about 15 percent muscle function so it's my shoulders my biceps and wrists yeah i don't have any finger function um i don't have any tricep function i i have no control below my uh, armpits and and that's what I'm operating with. That's what I use to, to adventure in the world. That's what I um, have to use to become as independent as I possibly can. That's what I use to, to br- do everything from brushing my teeth to, to driving my car to whatever else happens in my, in my days. And, um, and you know, you the mean... only, I, I, I think that's just, good. just to touch on something is, is that this idea of, the limits are only perceived and we we create the limits and and it's based on our imagination and um certainly jumping out of a plane you get to see 
and the expanse of of the horizon and and the world and it's kind of almost a metaphor for you might flip it upside down and see some of the expanse of your own horizon if you allowed yourself to think that way you know yeah i read um one of your talks there one thing you you wrote you said that um the bravest thing that any person can do despite the challenges they may face is bring our authentic selves to the world for that is when the magic happens and i think you really have brought your authentic self um into the world in every aspect that you um you really talk about like shining a light from within us and that we all have this potential power but unfortunately lots of people they don't look at it they don't they don't um bring out this power that um that you have yeah well i i think i've been fortunate that uh i was willing to go there and you know a massive thing that happened to me I suppose at a very pivotal time was one of my biggest role models was a friend of mine, Mikey, who used to um, windsurf with me and uh, he was a professional athlete. So he was a professional windsurfer on the pro tour, traveling around the world competing. And um, But he was a normal guy and he would train on the beach with us. And I, he was a big role model to me. He was a few years older than me. And I really looked up to this guy. And I remember... I was in rehab and he came back from the pro tour the day after I got into rehab and he brought me this jersey um, that they would wear on the water, a rash vest signed by the whole pro fleet with well, well wishes. And these are the guys that I would watch on TV. These are the guys that I would read about in the magazines. So this was like gold to me. And, and so Mikey was kind of a very tangible everyday hero for me. And while I was in rehab, I went back a little bit early after Christmas and I remember it was really quiet in the hospital and I was having lunch on the ward by myself one day and I got a friend from, a call from one of my best friends, David, and he said, uh, have you heard about Mikey? And I thought, what's he gone and done now? You know, another amazing feat. And it turned out that Mikey had taken his own life and it uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I realized that, you know, everybody is, everybody is vulnerable at different times in their life, you know? And, um, you know, Mikey had so much going from, from so many people that loved him and love him. Um, and, he didn't have the capacity um, to be okay with the struggles that he was facing or or even to voice them at that time, which is really hard for the people that, that knew him to grapple with, you know? Um, and so something that I vowed to myself is that I would be as transparent as I possibly could about my own journey, about the ups, the downs, the good days, the bad days, and the reason for that is i think when we become more human ourselves when we um show up authentically be that good bad um or anywhere in between we give other people permission to be more human as well and i think there's something incredibly powerful about that is that 
by the way we conduct ourselves we can give other per people permission um to do the same and you, you know that stands for both sides you know that stands for when when we're in our darkest hour um when we speak about that but also when we are um showing up in the world absolutely at our best and and shining the magic that we all have um when we are willing to to show both of those unapologetically um other people are given permission to do the same and and there's so much smoke and mirrors there's so many masks there's so many things like that being worn in in day-to-day -day life ever before the coronavirus came in and forced us all to wear masks you know and i just think um there's power in tapping back into that childlike state where one of the most beautiful things that a young kid does is that they're honest they they say what they mean and they mean what they say and um they're they share their emotions like they're emotionally honest in that they laugh when they're happy and they cry when they're sad and we unlearn that we learn when it's okay to be sad and the context it's okay to be happy in and um and we stop communicating when we are one or the other um, and we start saying yeah grand because it's not okay to be um to actually label it and say well you know today i feel isolated and i feel detached and i miss my friends and i want to give someone a hug and it's also not okay in ireland to say you know i'm absolutely i'm not grand i'm actually fantastic and the reason i'm fantastic is because this thing that i've worked really hard on is going so well and actually i put my stuck my neck out um for a person um towards a person and i asked her out and she said yeah and i'm fucking thrilled and you know what i got seed funding for my company that has been a pipe dream for years and you know what the kids are doing really well and i'm really proud of the fact that my daughter's in that dance academy whatever it is you know or you know what i'm fucking brilliant because i realized today and it actually sat in with me that i'm alive and i have so much to be grateful for and when we actually can sit with those two poles of our life and everything in between um and appreciate them for what they are good or bad or indifferent um there's there's something powerful there and, and so i think authenticity where we're at is is the key oh it's such such a powerful powerful message what you said like it's and it's, it's funny only talking to uh, another guest actually I was on the live show today and we were talking about similar concepts as well about just showing up as your authentic self and just not to worry you know about the, the ups and downs there's so many times where we put resistance in to uh, I shouldn't be like this or I shouldn't be like that or I can't let any of you know that it's going well because that's not what the done thing is and um, it's such it's such a powerful thing to hear someone that really shows up authentically in their life um, Jack, I, I can't bring you on the show without talking about mindfulness um, because this is, this is the whole essence of who, who I am. And I know that mindfulness is very, very important to you uh, in, in your life and in being present and, and focused. Um, if I could ask you a question that I ask a lot of my guests is about um, what does, if I say the term mindful living, what does mindful living look like to you? Hmm. For me, this this all comes back with uh, to I suppose intentionality, mm. um, and you know if I think about mindful mindfulness, the gift that that gives me is awareness about 
where I'm at, what I'm feeling, what I'm sort of what's it gives me the opportunity to check in and see well what's working, what's exciting me, what's pulling my energy, um, what's giving me energy, those kind of things. And and then with that information, it gives you the opportunity to live more mindfully. Wow. Because because all of that sort of observation of yourself and how yourself is interacting with life that's kind of they're the ingredients that you need to to really see well how can i live in a way that is more aligned which is more intentional which in which i choose to embrace the things that give me energy and and bring me a sense of contentment or joy or different things like that and how can i repeatedly let go of the other things because they're going to keep showing up in different ways um but uh by tuning in regularly we get the chance to kind of acknowledge and and release and and that's where it's come to for me but it started in a really interesting way i suppose um when i was in school i would have always said that i was spiritual rather than religious yeah and mum would be mum mum's family were were quite religious and and she wanted to to give us the exposure to um i suppose mass and a, a catholic upbringing and and to give us exposure to that so that at least we had choices about it um and i remember not long after my communion after being forced for years on end every sunday to put on my my communion outfit or something like that <laughs> for mass i i remember that saying well dad's not going to mass today and i don't need to be in a church um uh, and i don't need specific prayers um or words to pray mm-hmm. And so this was kind of the beginnings of realizing that like I um, I was sort of moving away from religion and towards spirituality. And that became um, the beginnings of of sort of learning about meditation a little bit, even though I might not have called it that at that time. And we did this thing in school where um, you would go into the chapel and they would play meditation music and turn off all the lights. And it was just this re- reflective space that we were put into. And um, I remember I would sit there for like what felt like hours, but it was it was just this space to to be yeah. and to be still and to be with yourself and just to be really. And and that was the seeds of it. And um and then I can remember in different ways I would um bring mindfulness in and it came through by journaling at different times and building the relationship with myself and then different exercises around breath work and breathing strategies and and then noticing there was a period when i struggled with anxiety in college and i would like really pull myself out of that by just noticing the objects in the room and i think it's just such a powerful tool and and when I'm working with young people, one of the things that I say is mentally, 
we have so much stimulation all the time from our phones, from our laptops, from the TV, the radio, from all the social media channels, from everything that's coming in. And mindfulness and meditation is a chance for us to just press pause, to reclaim a little bit of space. And it's going to be the superpower of the next hundred years is to be able to reclaim ourselves from all that's coming in and to say, well, what's useful for me here? And what can I take that's going to nourish me in some way, you know? Wow. I think that's a lovely, lovely place to to end our conversation, uh, if that's okay with you, Jack. Um, I've learned so much from you um, about just acceptance and just about bringing that inner curiosity, that inner child out of us all that, like you said, that we unfortunately unlearn how to be a child. And um, if I could leave um, with a tip, actually, is there any tip that you could leave people with, a personal tip yourself for just being more mindful? Yeah, something um, that I've really enjoyed over the past couple of weeks is I'm actually I finished a mindfulness based stress reduction program a while back and and uh, now I'm doing one in attention based training. Okay. Um which is it's one of the three arms of meditation. Um but something that uh, has been really useful is as a mantra or or an anchor yeah. is simply I am here now. And as you breathe in you speak internally and you say i am and then as you breathe out you say the words here now internally and as an anchor that has been so powerful and it comes back to that thing of it's going to be okay and 90 percent of the time 99 percent of the time when challenge arises when we feel the resistance when shit hits the fan in some way when we come back to the moment that we're in we're actually grand and it's mostly us projecting into the future or remembering from the past what could go wrong or or what might go wrong and most of the time i am here now everything is fine um so I will leave you with that. As, that is uh, just amazing. Um, Jack, you are known for coaching, for speaking, for many, many things. If people want to have listened to the podcast and they want to get in contact with you, um, what's the best way for them to contact you? Yes, the best way is if, if it's coaching related um, or speaking related directly uh, by email, hello at Jack hyphen kavanagh.com but you can get me on my website if you're interested in watching the documentary breaking boundaries um we actually just made that freely available through the website so you can go in and and get that there jack hyphen kavanagh.com and i'm on all the social medias as well and if you want to tune into um and and have a listen of the podcast as well it's called the only human podcast Mm. and um I'd be delighted to engage with you in whatever way you want uh, to tune in. I have to say that the Only Human podcast was an inspiration for me to start my own uh, podcast. So I have to say thank you very much uh, for uh, 
paving the path in front for more people to follow so thank you for your bravery in that in that in that regard um jack Kavanagh, you have been an unbelievable guest i've enjoyed every second i haven't normally i I speak a lot inside the podcast myself but i've just enjoyed listening to you so much and uh, it's been an absolute honor to have you on the show so jack Kavanagh, thank you very very much Stephen, you're a gentleman thank you all there you have episode eight with Jack Kavanagh. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. It was just a pleasure to listen to Jack talk. He just shows up as his authentic self. We're absolutely unapologetic and it's amazing and infectious to be around people like that. So I really hope you got a lot from today's episode. As always, I'm going to stick in the show notes and um, I'll put a link to where you can get his Breaking Boundaries documentary and um, a link to some of his talks, which were amazing amazing so listen until next time this is stephen downey and this has been the mindful living guide